You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Hey, and welcome everybody to our Clear Creek Resources Podcast. My name is Aaron Lutz. I help pastor Clear Creek Community Church at our East 96 campus. But I wanna thank you for listening today. We're in a sermon series right now called Restoried, talking about how worship is really intended to remind and restore us towards the gospel that every element of worship service, from the songs we sing, to the prayers we pray, to the scriptures we read, to the ways we give and serve, everything is an act of retelling the story of God. So today I'm excited to sit down with two of our worship leaders here at Clear Creek, Brad Loser and Tanner Smith. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, Brad and Tanner, welcome to the podcast studio. Thanks for jumping in today. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Hey, why don't you uh, both tell us just your roles at Clear Creek. Let's start with that. Your experience leading worship here, other things that you do. Tell us about that a little bit. Um, so Brad Loser, yeah. uh, been on staff here 17 years, right. something like that, a long time. Um, worship leader, so I lead, I lead worship at our Clear Lake campus every single Sunday. Um, also rotate through with the other worship leaders at our Wednesday night campus. Um, and then, so that's kind of a campus role, but then my kind of central support role is programming director. So I work with the teachers and programming teams to program all of the service elements that happen at all of our campuses. Yeah. So programming, putting together an order of worship for all of our congregations at all yes. five of our campuses. Yes. Cool. Tanner, what about you? Yeah. Um, I am the relief pitcher. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I get to go campus to campus, um, leading either with our worship leaders or giving them the week off to, so that they can worship with their family. Yeah. And which is cool. I get to experience different, the different cultures of, e- of each campus. Um, I get to interact with the people of each campus, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, cause there are incredible people all across yeah. Creek community church. Um, I also help with like musician development. So part of the the role of going campus to campus is pouring into and helping train up um, mu- the musicians that volunteer, also our music directors and stuff like that. And then I guess for a central support role, I serve on the spiritual formation team. Um, we think through and prayerfully consider kind of discipleship and how to help spiritually form the people of Clear Creek uh, and kind of specify and heading up the prayer ministry there. Yeah. So that's kind of what I spend my time doing for the cool. most part. Yeah, if people don't know, our staff structure is the way that we have a campus-specific role or in your sense, a floater kind yeah. of role yeah. uh, and then a central role, which means we're all one church in yeah. several locations. It's probably a different podcast for a different day, but the cultures yeah. of different campuses, I'd be interested at some point, Russ, just to talk about that, yeah. like how it's different at Clear Lake than East 96, than Eager Bay, than 528 and Wednesday night. But, yeah, every campus I go to, I tell them, man, you are... Definitely one of my top five favorite campuses <laughs> yeah. at Clear Creek Community Church. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so we're talking about worship, and you guys are worship leaders, so like you're the experts, right? Give us a helpful definition <laughs> of worship. Uh, as we're talking about this, what's a helpful definition of worship? Um, so Brad's the expert. We call him, we call him Gramps <laughs> yeah, with wisdom. I'm the, I'm the oldest worship leader on staff. So the el- He's the eldest. The eldest. Um, so... I say this very often in my call to worships is that worship is our response to God for who he is and what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And so whether that's singing or praying or hearing God's word taught or giving back to God or singing, all of those things, that it's just a response to who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. Great. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think with that, we, we always want to make clear that worship is more than just the singing portion of right. the service. So for us, like, I think in just kind of in church culture, especially so for our titles, you know, a lot of times oh, I'm a worship leader mm-hmm. and people just think of that as music. But we want to be clear that we believe that worship is, uh, is not um, reduced down to just one aspect being musical, but it's actually expressed in so many different forms and factors, both corporately and even as we spread out. Yeah. throughout our weeks. So. Which is a way that a lot of times people in church use that word, right? Like worship is the time that we sing and then yeah. we're gonna sit down and there's a sermon and there's a time that we're gonna pray. But we would say, no, no, no. The whole worship service yeah. is a time of worship. Yeah. So Brad, as you're planning those services, talk about just some of the values you have for those different elements, how we incorporate those uh, strategically, like uh, why we do what we do on a regular rhythm. Yeah, so uh, we're in a series right now at the recording of this podcast called Restoried. And we're really looking at how the entire service is shaped to restory and form our hearts back into God's grander story, uh, the creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And so we really want to make sure that every element from beginning to end, from the time our service starts until it ends, is formational for our people. Now, that, that doesn't necessarily that every element is going to have the same significant impact sure. as another element, but it's formational. So even if we're giving an announcement about a community impact drive that we're having, that's formational because it, we're taking time out of our service to tell our entire church, um, here's how we're going to serve because as people, we serve. That's who we're called to be. Um, in our spiritual formation growth grid, we see that you know that's our families serve each other. And so uh, we look at something even as an announcement and how we're going to build culture around that and shape our values about who we're supposed to be as children of God and how that should impact us. So whether it's an announcement, whether it's a responsive reading, whether it's a prayer, uh, a prayer time, a guided prayer time, or whether we're asking you to pray on your own, whether it's a specific song or a block of songs and how they, they flow together, um, even from the, um, the, the message itself and then how we're going to respond to that message. L- literally every piece of that service is talked about, prayed about, thought through to make sure that, that we're, we're supporting um, this spiritual formation aspect of how we view our worship services to be. Yeah. So, yeah. That, and that really flows from identity. So you talked about this, the spiritual growth grid. When we look at that, and if maybe some of you are unfamiliar with that, it's basically kind of just like a, a grid that we have as a physical representation of kind of identity because of who God is and what he's done for us. This is now who we are. Mm-hmm. And so um, being called citizens of his kingdom, this just is what citizens do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're citizens of you know America, so it, it affects some of the way that we live our life day to day. And so as citizens of God's kingdom, that is, this is just what we do is we, we sing, we pray, we study the scriptures, we, um, we serve one another. Like all those things are, are not just something that we do, they're who we are. Yeah. And I think also it's important to uh, remember, especially coming out of the COVID stuff and the pandemic, mm. that um, we live in a digital culture yeah. and that while there are things that you can get and consume digitally online, 
Um, there are some things that are completely non-downloadable experiences that are extremely formational yeah. to the building up of the body of Christ yeah. that you're just never going to get in an online experience. And so um, some of some of why we do what we do is because it has to be done in person. It has to be done as the body corporately face-to-face with each other. Yeah. So. Incarnational with flesh, absolutely like we're standing next to each other as we pray together. We're standing next to each other and hearing each other sing and yes. all those things. Uh, Brad, to go back to just planning services for a second. So we plan like mm. almost everything. You know, like <laughs> we're, we're prayerful in that. But how do we? Like, where's the role of the Holy Spirit in our worship services when we we have all these elements in a row that we've already thought through? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I've heard it. I've heard it said and explained a couple different ways outside of this church before. That it's been helpful for me to kind of understand. Like we we prayerfully plan, but we understand that, uh, and, and in doing that, we we believe that the Holy Spirit can lead us and can guide us uh, as we're talking through the message topic and the series as a whole. Um, and where are this as a spiritual formation and lead team and these guys have said, hey, here's where we want to grow as a church. And so we're praying through all of that when we're putting that service together. But we also know that in the moment, things can change. Like we can feel like the campus pastor or the worship leader or an elder in the church, hey, I I feel like I need to camp out here for a minute. And so, you know, that's obviously what we try to do as best as possible is go in and be as prepared as we can be, but completely relying on the Holy Spirit and being sensitive, not just locked into that plan, but being sensitive to try to go, okay, God, this is what we believed you wanted to do. But in this moment right now, I'm really feeling like you're leading me to say this or do this or move that. And so we, we try to, we try to live into that as much as we can. I think what's, what's good about that. You mentioned relying on the Holy Spirit Either way, we're relying on the Holy yes. Spirit, right? We're relying on the Holy Spirit to have led us during those times of, of planning. We're relying on the Holy Spirit in those moments to to uh, just help us to be sensitive to what He's doing in the room and what yep. He's doing in the lives of people. So yeah. that's the goal. That's always the goal. Yeah. It's uh, never to um, remove the Holy Spirit from yep. the equation, but to invite Him to move in a way that only He can. Yeah. And whether that's, you know, if we've got a song and we get done with that song and as a worship leader... That's the role I function in mostly when I'm up on stage uh, is through the singing aspect of that. And, if, you know, there's been plenty of times when I, we've finished a song and I really feel like we're not done. Like we need to keep singing that and we'll just roll right back into a chorus or another verse or start another song that in my mind, I'm like, we need to sing this right now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus or whatever, whatever it is, a hymn or something. I don't yeah. know. But just constantly trying to rely on that. I'll say something funny about relying on the Holy Spirit too. Because our uh, our arts team director, Kevin Hester, he has the greatest line about time. Mm. So, because <laughs> a lot of times teachers were like, oh man, I'm just feeling the spirit. Because they'll go, let's say they've given, we've given them 33, 35 minutes to talk and the, te- the they'll take 40, 45. And they're like, I just felt like the spirit was leading me to say all this stuff. <laughs> Kevin's greatest line is like, until the Holy Spirit leads you to go short just as much as he does for you to go long, <laughs> then I don't know that it's always the Holy Spirit that you're hearing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. That's funny. 
So in our planning, it's about intentionality. It's about formation. It's not about removing the a spiritual aspect to it. We want to be sensitive to leading the Holy Spirit in both the front end and in the moment. I appreciate the way y'all talked about that. Uh, Tanner, you mentioned giving some leadership to our prayer ministry at Clear Creek. Yeah. Uh, talk about prayer a little bit as an act of worship, maybe what your hopes are for us as a praying community, and, and then the ways that we pray in our services, how that's shaping us as a community. Yeah, so I think um, over the last couple of years, what we've felt sort of a, a pressing in from from the Holy Spirit is just to, to help uh, cultivate and foster a culture of prayer at our church. And the need for that is not because it's the right thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. or because that would make us look better to the outside world or the other churches, but it's because that's prayer is intimacy with God. Yeah. Prayer is the way that you uh, act in your relationship with God. Like you can say, I have a relationship with God, but if you don't engage in conversation with him, both talking to him and spending time listening as well, we miss out on on really intimacy with God as a whole. Mm-hmm. So um, I think with with prayer, one of the things that we hope is that by creating spaces in our services where we're um, spending dedicated time um, praying to God, that that's formative for, for us. It's formative for the people in the room who have a hard time knowing where to start when it comes to prayer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, well, I just, I don't know what to say, or I don't always have the right words, or it's hard for me to find the right time. If you can do it corporately, it begins to help you understand how maybe you could be doing it privately. Yeah. So in the services, that's one thing. And then I would say just our prayer for us as a church is that we'd be a people of prayer, a people who are dedicated to, um, to going to God, not just when we need something, just because we want to be with him. And that's similarly to like our time of singing. I mean, prayers are kind of songs without music and vice versa. Songs are prayers with music. And so I think the idea of uh, of getting to lead people in song, most often the songs that we sing are just our prayers set to music. Yeah. And they're their, our hope is that they really serve in the same way to, to provide an avenue for people to have in, intimacy with God where yeah. they're having communication with them. So yeah. the two are kind of hand in glove, I guess, in that sense. Brad, you've been playing services since, what, January has been in that primary role. Like, I think you've done a great job of incorporating prayer into the way that that's just our part of our liturgy. Yeah, way to go, yeah. Brad. It's the way that we worship. <laughs> I've really appreciated that. And it's not just like, okay, now the pastor is going to pray for you. It's like, no, no, no. We together as the body of Christ, we're going to pray about these things. Yeah. We're going to give you intentional time to do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell East 96 all the time, we, we run so fast. And it's such a loud and wordy world that we yeah. rarely have time to just sit and be quiet. Mm-hmm. What if we just sit in the presence of the Lord yeah. and be quiet and let you know, let you say what you need to say, wrestle with God in this moment before mm. we just rush out or before yeah. we continue in service? One, to that point really quick, yeah. one of my favorite things to do, whether it's at the beginning of a service or in the middle of a song or whatever, is just basically have people take a second and take a deep breath mm-hmm. because it just slows you down. Like you said, we, we, we live in this frenetic pace. Yep. Like everything... It's one thing to the next to the next, and we're we're so over busy that we have uh, we lack the margin to hear from God and to recognize His presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think an awareness of God's presence in our lives is is one of the greatest assets to spiritual formation. So. Yeah, I agree. So if worship isn't just the songs we sing. Um, 
so that's not true, right? It's not, worship isn't just the songs that we sing. But if you come to a typical service at Clear Creek, it's one of the primary ways we sing. Like yeah. I've never been to a worship service here where there wasn't a sermon that was preached and a, and a song that was sung, at least one, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to hear from both of you, like why do we sing? And why do we sing what we sing at Clear Creek? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so when I think about why we sing, um, the, the Jesus juke answer is because the Bible tells us to <laughs> yeah. actually quite a bit. Um, there's over 400 references to singing in the Bible and there's over 50 direct commands for people to sing imperative. to the Lord. Imperative, do this. Do yeah. this. Yeah. And, um, you know, just as an example, Psalm 96, one through two, says, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. And Psalm 47, six says, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praise to our King, sing praises. Seven times in three verses, we're commanded to sing. And so that's why we sing, but really why do we sing? Like, what's the purpose of that? And for me, I kind of break it down into, I kind of look at it, in three different kind of streams of thought. The first one is um, we sing to profess God's word. Um, As believers, God's word is what changes us and regenerates us through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what has called us and led us to Jesus. So we gather to sing God's word. And so we're professing these truths together. So our, um, I think of it this way, our theology what we believe about God and who he is and the Bible informs our doxology, the way that we praise. And so that has to be, to me, that's like the, and and so what do we sing? We sing God's word. And so sometimes that's literal. Sometimes we actually will literally sing God's word. Like we have a song called the Lord's prayer. That's literally the Lord's prayer. And there's other examples. Um, But other times it's, it's not necessarily literally God's word, but it's very clearly built on and supported by strong doctrinal beliefs and theology that we hold as believers. And so we sing God's word. I think that's number one. Um, I think number two, uh, why we sing, because sometimes when you just read God's word or you hear God's word taught, or you hear somebody read a scripture or quote a scripture, it has an impact on you. But music is an emotional language. And so... I think we sing to emotionally connect with those words that we're singing about God and his word. And so it, it connects with us and resonates on an emotional level that it, can, it can't happen otherwise. Yeah. It, just, it just can't. Um, and then I think thirdly for me, uh, we sing for unity. Like it's a, it's a unifying experience that we do together as the yeah, body definitely. of Christ. It's something that we come together in one space and we're all professing this together because we are a people that have been saved by God. Yeah. And so this is, our, <clears throat> this is our corporate shared experience in our faith. It's a sh- Christianity is a shared faith. While there is a lot of personal aspects, it is a communal faith. And so singing is super important for us to do um, and achieve that. And it's a, it's a great physical expression of that to a watching world when they see the church singing like that. Awesome. So, yeah, I was just gonna, that make, it reminded me of Ephesians 5, um, verse 19. It's this command to the church, uh, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual sings, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, mm-hmm. giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's 
this picture painted of the way that we unite is through singing and the way that we, not just with one another, but even the way that we're united with Christ in submission to him is actually through singing, which is amazing. But I mean, it's true. If you think about, you know, maybe a concert experience that you've had or something, mm. you can meet a total stranger. And by the end of the night, you're like, I've, I have been, and maybe this is my, but I've been arm in arm with people just like, <laughs> we're all one. Together. This is, just because we're, si- we're singing the same song, something that we believe in, yeah. you know, and there's this great sense of unity. There's this great sense of purpose behind it. Um, it's not just uh, a, a fun form of entertainment on a Friday night, but like it becomes something that's um, almost transcendent. You read Ephesians 5. I've been studying Colossians 3 this mm-hmm. week to preach. And it's yeah. the same uh, trifecta, if you will, of mm-hmm. psalms, hymns, mm-hmm. and spiritual songs. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that this week. And psalms, obviously, we're singing God's word. The Old Testament has all these psalms, a whole book of them, right? We're singing yeah. God's it's word. It's the longest book in the Bible. Right? Uh, all songs. We have hymns, which are songs to God, yeah. right? It's a praise to God. Whereas spiritual songs, the way this commentator defined it, was uh, they're songs about God. Mm-hmm. But they're songs that we sing about him together because yeah. they unify us around doctrine that we believe yeah. or it, we express our salvation that we have together, yeah. right? There's this communal aspect to all of it that's not emotionalism. We're not trying to emotionally manipulate anybody, but we are calling out the real emotions that come when we re- rehearse this gospel yeah. story yeah. that yes. has so impacted our lives. Yes. So why wouldn't we express that emotionally, yes. right? Yeah. So talk a little bit, I, we didn't really prepare about this, but you know, sometimes we get to be really head-driven people. Mm-hmm. Like the gospel stays right here as a belief that we have. How do we help transform that into something that we feel and we we express emotionally and yeah. physically through song? Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as people, we're made up of not just a brain. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, I understand emotions still come from your brain, like scientifically, but we're not just irrational thinking people, we do have emotions. Now, some people are obviously more emotional than others, right? So you have people that function more emotionally and you have people that function, maybe they would say like, oh, I'm more rational. Mm -hmm. But regardless, we experience emotions. And Jesus, you know, incarnate, like God in flesh experienced emotions. You know, he, we're told in various um, parts of the gospels where he experiences these very human aspects of what it, what it means to be human. Like he walked through those things and a part of that was emotion. So we meet God when we use our, our mind rationally to consider, wow, what, what, a, what a sacrifice that Jesus, you know, counted the cost of what it would be to give himself for us. That's like a, a rational, like, wow, that is a huge sacrifice. That doesn't even, isn't even logical. It doesn't even make sense that he would do that but then that almost kind of then flows into the emotion of like, for me. Yeah. Like yeah. he did that for me. That sacrifice was done for me. And so I think similarly with music, we want to sing songs that make you think, songs that engage your mind, songs that um, are filled with scripture and songs that um, are, are not, I guess, so maybe surfacey or vanilla that it just kind of like flies by you, but songs that kind of makes you stop for a second and go like, oh, what does that mean? But then the hope is that that goes somewhere else. Not just like, oh yeah, that's cool. I like that line. Mm-hmm. But it, it connects to your heart, makes, yeah. you, makes you realize God loves me. Mm-hmm. And when, when, you, when you as a person discover that you're loved by an infinite God, mm-hmm. it does something to you. 
yeah. like it causes you to want to respond. And I think to me, like that, that moment right there, even though we often lose that or we get distracted or we get sidetracked and, or we get focused on other things. Like if we can keep coming back to that moment yeah. of recognition of like, no, the God of the universe who needs nothing gave himself so that he could just be with me. Yeah. That makes me want to sing my freaking guts out. <laughs> yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I, I that just kind of reminds me and brought to mind, like it's, it, to me, it's perspective and, do we really understand God's greatness, yeah. his holiness? Do we understand his goodness and his grace? Do we understand that the, the, the depravity of my personal sin and the cost at which uh, it, it put him on the cross? Um, we, we're so, uh, it's so easy to just get, um, complacent, I guess, and become ungrateful about small things. So for instance, we, I walk to my kitchen, I grab a cup out of my cupboard, I go over to my fridge or my faucet, I turn it on and I have water to drink, clean, purified water to drink. And I think nothing about it. I don't thank God for it. I don't I don't stop and say a prayer about it. I just, I'm thirsty. And so I go get a drink of water. And I think sometimes it's easy to come to church every week, or especially if you've grown up in church every week, and it's like going to the kitchen and turning on a faucet and getting a glass of water. And it means nothing to you other than that you needed a drink and you got it. And now you can go on about the next thing that you need to do. There's no emotional attachment to that water. But if I was in the desert or I was living in a place where yeah. water was life, right. every drop would be so precious to me. Yeah. And I would have an emotional attachment and response when I found it and I could drink it. And so I think about something like that yeah. when I come into our worship service, like how much are we taking for granted that these these scriptures or these lyrics just pass our mouth yeah. um, because it's just a faucet we can turn on and off without much thought. Yep. And I think music helps us get past that. Music has this amazing ability to help us remember things. Yep. Like um, the reason we look at Alzheimer's patients even, I mean, you can, you can see a, a person who's, who couldn't, can't tell you the name of their spouse or their children, but you start singing a song or playing a song and they yeah. can jump in and they can finish the whole thing and tears will be str- streaming down their faces. Mm-hmm. It has just a way of ingraining messages and thoughts and ideas into our heads yeah. more than anything else. I can, I mean, uh, probably, I could probably hear a commercial on the radio today that used to play on my way to school when I was in high school and I could probably finish that jingle for mm-hmm. you whatever yeah. it was, just because, and I haven't heard it in, I'm not telling you how old I am, but 30 years. <laughs> yeah, So you're 31. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So music helps us emotionally connect yeah. to those ideas and help us get past that, that commonplace, this is just something I always do and I'm not stopping to actually think about what's happening. Yeah. So when I rightly under, so my, I, to go back to make, to, I'm making this a, a longer point than it needs to be, but <laughs> no, good. if you, if you compare it to the preciousness of water mm-hmm. 
and that's something we have that's very common. Yeah. When, we, when we compare God's greatness, when we rightly understand the value of his greatness and his grace and his holiness and his goodness, man, that theology should evoke and provoke an emotional response in us. So, yeah. Um, while you were saying that, I sent you a calendar invite for right after this, so we could write a song about uh, water. <laughs> awesome, because that's so good. Let's but I was it. also thinking about, you know, if you've ever been like on a on a short term mission trip or gone somewhere um, where people don't have access to clean water. Yeah. You know, you you mentioned yeah, walking through the desert and you get a drink. You're like you feel that for yourself. But sometimes uh, when my kids get thirsty, they get a big drink of water. They're like, oh, water, and I'm just I remind them. Not every kid has that. Yeah. So that just makes me think, well, if, you know, if we equate like the gospel to water, like mm. um, imagine now mm. we finish a song in church and we just kind of sing it and let it go by. We forget the, the refreshing um, gratitude we should have for the gospel. Mm. Yes. And I think about the people who don't have access to the gospel mm-hmm. or do have access to it and have let it pass them by. So, you know, for me, even that reminds me just of how important it, I guess what role corporate worship serves yes. in the way that we think about the unchurched. Yeah. That's good. You joked about writing a song about water. Y'all do write songs, <laughs> right? Do. Y'all we write do. songs for us at Clear Creek to sing. So yeah. uh, one, why do we write our own songs? Like there's a ton of Christian music out there. Why are yeah. we writing our stuff? Uh, and two, what's the, what's the purpose of that for our, our community? Yeah, mostly to make money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, fame, fame yeah, and fortune. Fame. I no, I have music on and streaming platforms and I get like a dollar a month from it. So it's definitely not to make money, <laughs> yeah. just no, to be clear. Yeah. Uh so you know, scripture says we're to sing a new song to the Lord. You can't sing a new song unless you write a new song. Mm-hmm. So part of that is trying to live into what we've been called to and as gifted musicians that God has poured into us, we wanna we wanna use that gift. Uh because it's a joy for us to write to write new music, number one. I mean it just as a creative outlet, but I think even more importantly, and and is is just to serve the the local church. Um, it's not for fame and fortune. Um, I I don't know if you guys know this, but Fanny Crosby, hymn writer Fanny Crosby, she wrote I don't know something like thirty thousand hymns, wow. and she wasn't doing that to make a living. She wasn't doing she sleep. She she wasn't doing that to like gain TikTok followers or Instagram yeah. notoriety or anything. Like literally, she was just writing because she loved the word and she was mm-hmm. trying to serve her local church. Yeah. She was trying to give her local church, her local body, a way to remember and recite and in ingrain God's message into their hearts. And yeah. so I for for us when we when we sit down and write, we really are just trying to serve our serve our church in our context, in our culture. Yeah. Um I know we were talking about this a little bit before. I think you had yeah. some good thoughts about yeah, that. Yeah. Um there's a quote from Jenny Lee Riddle that says that writing worship songs, this is a paraphrase, but writing worship songs is like putting prayers on the lips of the bride. Mm. And I mean it's true. When we when we sit down to choose songs it's actually hard to choose our own mm. songs because there are um, artists, and especially now, you know, YouTube, like we have access to so many songs from so many incredible songwriters and artists. So it's hard to to choose even some of our own songs over, there's so many good songs out there, but it's almost a discipline for us because we recognize that um, we have sort of a responsibility as shepherds of a local assembly of, yep. of believers to know what they're going through, yep. know the context mm. of their world. Like mm. 
you know, this is a, a unique pocket of Houston, which is a unique pocket of the USA, which is a unique pocket of the world. And the way that it, people practice their Christian faith mm-hmm. here is different. It just is from other places. And um, it's different from, you know, Hillsong in Australia, or it's different from, you know, California or Nashville or wherever. So for us to write songs and not even just culturally um, context, but even just like uh, the, the situationally, the things that the people in our church are walking through. You know, if, there, if there's sort of a season where people are increasingly getting diagnosed with cancer or passing away, like we will feel inclined, like we should write into that, you know? Or if there's a season where as a church we're growing in our understanding of, of God as king or of being citizens of his kingdom or just like wanting to get back to the simplicity of the gospel, then we're gonna write from that perspective. And for us, that's helping form prayers and, and write musical prayers for um, for the brat to have on, on her lips. Yeah. So that's kind of, yeah. for me, that's what I think I, I always go back to when we sit down and write a song. I'm like, okay, who are we writing for? Mm-hmm. This is not just to write like a, a you know, killer worship song like yeah. this is because our can you visualize eric says this all the time eric harding he's like i want to be able to look out at the people of 528 campus and visualize those people singing this mm-hmm. and that's not just a uh you know a, a, a nebulous like people group it's like specific faces and mm-hmm. names that he has in mind of people that are singing those songs. Yeah. i think about that when i preach right i'm preaching to a people that i love yeah. and in a theological context you know like we don't want to just preach generic quote unquote Christian sermons right. or sing quote unquote generic Christian songs. Like there's a lot of like big God, no Jesus songs yeah. or I'm going to win. I don't need Jesus type songs. Like, yeah. We want to yeah. sing theologically Absolutely. grounded gospel centered good songs. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we take some of those, but we also write some of those. So yeah, I appreciate sure. that. Yeah. It's been a little bit of time here. Um, Tanner, you and I have talked about this a lot. Brad, I'm curious to hear your perspective too. Where do you want to see Clear Creek grow yeah. as a worshiping community? Yeah, that's good. Mm. Um, I think for for me, when I think about where I would like to see us grow, it would probably be just in trying to model what what it is we're going to be doing and what that look and look and feels like for eternity. So when you look at the end, you look at Revelation, um, you see this vast people group from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, and what are they all doing? They're singing and worshiping the Lamb. And it's not just the good singers and the good musicians. It's not just a a, a hand-picked heavenly choir. It's every tongue from every tribe and every nation all singing God's praises together. And, And why are they doing that? To worship the lamb who was slain, you know, who paid the price. And so um, I think for me, I hope that our church would continually grow and model what that future experience will eventually look like. There's a quote uh, from a book called Recalling the Hope of Glory by Alan Ross. And uh, he says in this, if we even begin to comprehend the risen Christ in all his glory, Mm. or we faintly hear the heavenly choirs that surround the throne with their anthems of praise, or we can imagine what life in the presence of the Lord will actually be like, then we would never again be satisfied with worship as usual. And we will always be striving to make our worship fit for glory. And so I think that's my hope is that that we're just always striving to make what we're doing in our corporate experiences fit for glory. Yeah, 
That's good. And I, I would say just because I, I want to, uh, I want to take a moment to like address the people of our church and just say they are like I, I've just yeah. noticed a change, yeah. even in the last you know a couple years, um, uh, of just uh, authentic expression of their gratitude and their love for Jesus in the way that they sing, which is yeah. just exciting. Absolutely. It's cool to watch. Absolutely. Um, and then I guess just in addition to that, I want to address the person who uh, hears us say that and kind of the the red lights go off and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not an emotional person. Like, or expressive I'm not, person. I'm not expressive, an expressive person. Yeah. Like ball goes over the fence. Everybody jumps up, puts their hands up. Like I stay in my chair. <laughs> I don't just get him. I don't just not dance at weddings. Like I turn red for the people who do dance at weddings. <laughs> you just describe my personality. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing about that. Because I, I, what I don't want is for pe- ever for people to feel manipulated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, or like that from stage, we're telling that if you're not lifting your hands or if you're not clapping your hands or if you're not shouting, that you're not worshiping. Um, because we do have scriptural mandates for those things all throughout the Psalms, clap your hands, all you peoples, or lift up your hands towards heavens, or um, sh- sing loud with a voice of triumph. Those those are verses in the scriptures that I think it is important to, to, to sort of stretch yourself in those ways. But I think I want to make clear what we ask when, when we're asking people to engage in worship. And that is um, participation over observation. So, Observation looks like I've got my coffee cup in my hand and I'm watching the guitar player do his thing and I'm like, <laughs> man, cool. That guy's pretty good at guitar. That was and a good I, song. Yeah, or like I look over to the singer and I'm like, very well dressed today. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, way to go. Good, good for them. I couldn't have done that this early in the morning. It's easy for our mind to wonder, but the discipline of worship is that we have to like intentionally be present in that moment to connect with God. So in the same way as prayer, like we don't just want to voice words to God. In fact, Jesus kind of, you know, got on to the Pharisees about just saying words that mean nothing to them. Like if we're just singing words or watching people sing, then we're missing out on an interaction with God in in that moment. So what I am asking for is if you're not an emotional person, which is the way that God made you, to use the way that God made you to engage. So maybe that's to just prayerfully consider this, the words that are happening. So we're talking about the cross to close your eyes and just imagine that. Imagine what Jesus went through for you or to use your reason and your ration to, to remind yourself of, you know, uh, the ways that God has blessed you, you know, or to consider the ways that um, the, the heights and depths of God's immeasurable riches and mercy, you know, um, and, and, and maybe it's not like, you know, weeping, but maybe it is smiling, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe it's not, uh, raising your hands, but maybe it's opening them right by your side. Like yeah. there are different ways that you as a person and the way that God yeah. made you can, yeah. can engage, can participate as Absolutely. opposed to like, uh, cause the last thing that we want, like the last reason that we want to step on stage and wake up at 4.30 in the morning or 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning is because we want people to like watch us, yeah. you know? That's like, I'm like, don't, don't look at me. It's too early for you to look yeah. at me or whatever. So yeah, we, want, we, want to do, we want to do it together. We want mm-hmm. the people of God um, in the presence of God to sing the praises of God. Yeah. Yeah. 
One of the phrases we've used is the most expressive genuine self. Like yeah. be you, but express what God has done for you Absolutely. in worship. Yeah. Right? And so that's one of the areas I've really tried to grow in because I'm not the most expressive person. And yet I know the power of what the gospel has done in me and the desire that people have to have this transformative experience with yeah. God. And I desire that, but I also desire that for the people around me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel the weight as a pastor to help model that for yeah. people. And yeah. I know yeah. you guys on stage feel yeah. the same way. Absolutely. Uh, you're not, I'm not performing. You're not performing, but we're engaging in our most expressive self, calling yeah. others to do the same with yeah. us. Yeah, That's good. for sure. Um, hey, let's wrap up a little bit rapid fire. All right. <laughs> let's just do some fun stuff as we finish up this podcast. So yeah. uh, favorite worship service of the year. What's that for y'all? Oh. Christmas Eve. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Easter, different, like random March. It's yeah, for me, it's the min, it's the mundane, the mundane ones. ones. It's the ones that I walk away and I'm like, something special just happened. I can't replicate. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but yeah. Cool. Uh, favorite song to lead in worship right now? Uh, I would say "My King Forever." Yeah. All praise to the Lord Most High. That's probably my favorite one. I think the one that we are releasing and is now available for streaming on online platforms. <laughs> oh, shameless plug. <laughs> all hail That's the why king. Music. All hail the king. Yeah, it's a good one right now. I appreciate that. What about of all time, like hymns, Oof. songs, anything you've led all your whole Gosh. time leading worship? It's like trying to ask. So many John. hymns come to mind. I know, me too. That's probably the if all time, like "How Great Thou Art" or um, "Holy, Holy, Holy." Or um, it as well is my favorite. It is well, just man. There's so many hymns that I would I would probably they're probably at the top of my list. Cool. Mine is tied to an experience I had, I guess. Um, so I don't know if that's nostalgia or just me being sentimental. But there's a song called "Build My Life" that just mm-hmm. has a special place in my heart, mm-hmm. and it's only been written in the last I don't know five mm-hmm. years or something yeah. like that. But it's it may be my favorite. Still of all time, time. that yeah. still works. Uh, last last funny one. If you could steal one talent from one of the other four <laughs> worship leaders at Clear Creek. What would it be? I don't know if this is a talent, but I would steal <laughs> Brad's good looks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd steal JJ's hair. That's what I'd JJ's steal. JJ's hair. <laughs> Surf that wave. There's Anybody's so many because <laughs> like I, I, dude, this isn't rapid fire, but I look at each one of our worship yeah. leaders and I could see something in each one of them. Like it's hard for me to pick just one because there's something in each one of them that I'm like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that. Yeah. I wish I could do that from Eric, JJ, Courtney, Tanner, all of them. They're just Very fantastic. politically correct answer. No, Thank you, that's, yeah. But that is what <laughs> I would true, steal though. from Brad though. Brad always, this is his pastoral heart, but he always sees the strengths of other people and he gives leadership away all the time. Yeah. And, I, and I guess that's not a talent. That's maybe a spiritual gift, but I'm, I see that in him and yeah. wish I want diplomatic laziness. <laughs> no, it's clearly culture, man. That's how we lead. <laughs> yeah, that's here. true. That's true. Hey, very last thing, just even briefly, what are your hopes for Clear Creek mm-hmm. as a worshiping community in the future? Uh, we talked about being, fo- being worship, being formative. Yeah. Um, I, I think my hope is that it flows out into the streets. It's mm, good. Like I, I hope it fuels mission. I hope Me that too. the way that we worship both in the church and in every day in our life, like helps people see something that they're not used to, yeah. which is a transcendent God loving and interacting with people on a very incarnational level. Like I hope that that changes our community. That's awesome. Brad, what about you? I think I'll go back to my water. I, I hope that people, I, I hope that our church would come to see the Sunday worship experience as the oasis in the desert, that they've been crawling in this hot, barren land all week long, and they're just desperate to get there, 
to experience the the life giving water that never runs dry and completely right satisfies. Now. I'm there. Let's so. write that song. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do, do it. it. Well, thank you guys for jumping in the podcast, man. I love leading with y'all, but I love worshiping with y'all. Me too. Uh, y'all are great. Yeah, appreciate you too, you guys. buddy. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.